John, the baptizer, a hermit, is telling people to prepare for the coming of the Lord by turning back to God. People have confessed their waywardness and have been baptized by John as a sign of the beginning of a new way of life. John has foretold the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts. And the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In the scriptures, there is something about water that gives identity and also forces decisions. And... I think it probably has to do with going back to pagan times from which the Hebrew people were just beginning to emerge. I remember as a boy being so fascinated by the Greek myths, by Perseus and, you know, uh, the winged horse, uh, the Pegasus, he fought Medusa with the snakes and the hair, or Theseus wandering through the labyrinth with the Minotaur, and so forth. And I used to love hearing about them. But as I grew older, it occurred to me that the life, the world that the pagans would inhabit it was actually a pretty terrifying world to be in. Because if you remember, the 12 Olympians, the gods, Zeus and Hera and Hephaestus and Poseidon and so forth. Poseidon was always my favorite, I think. Um, I always thought, you know, Zeus got to choose what he wanted to be. So he chose the sky and that's just empty. It's not clouds, you know. Um, Poseidon, that's where it's really at, you know, under the water and all that sort of thing. But everyone thought Aquaman was so boring, so maybe Hades would have been fun, coming up with really trippy punishments. But in any event, none of those gods 
gave any interest or care about their people. That Zeus would find somebody who was attractive and he'd turn himself into a bowl or a shower of gold and suddenly there would be children of Zeus. But basically, they were playthings that in the pagan world, people like you and me would see themselves as pawns or toys to be played with or teased or disposed of on a great game board. But unfortunately, we may think, you know, oh, those pagans, those backward, those ancient ones, we who are post-enlightenment, and you know, we have the internet, we are so beyond them. I don't know. In an interview with David Simon, who wrote The Wire, He talked about the world he was trying to create. And he said, instead of the old gods, The Wire is a Greek tragedy in which the postmodern institutions were the Olympian forces. It's the police department or the drug economy or political structures or the school administration or macroeconomic forces that are throwing the lightning bolts and hitting people out of nowhere for no decent reason. In this drama, the institutions always prove larger. And these characters, with hubris enough to challenge the postmodern construct of the American empire, are invariably mocked, marginalized, or crushed. Greek tragedy for the new millennium, so to speak. We continue to live in a pagan universe where we wonder if the government, the market, national security, the structures that are amorphous and out there we don't really understand or can control we are subject to them and contingent upon them as well. And out of that expression, you almost see the God of Israel who looks down at the earth that God created and said, didn't do too hot this time, let's wipe it clean and destroys humanity and all the beasts of the earth with a flood. Except, I guess, the fish. I guess the fish did okay. Lobsters and, of course, in America, in the crabs for Maryland. But I was wondering, you know, like, was, was Noah fishing from the ark? And, you know, but in any event. So we almost see the God of Israel playing the same game before the flood of the pagans saying, humans are just playthings and I'm going to wipe the slate clean and start again. And in fact, it's probably no surprise that even the Greek myths have a flood story. Craig and I were talking this week, Deucalion was somebody who escaped 
the Greek flood in a boat with animals as well. But here is the big, big difference. God repented. And after the flood, God said, I freely will subject myself to a bargain, to a contract, to a covenant with my people I have chosen and created. And God established a covenant and made himself accountable to his people. So that every time we see the rainbow in the sky, we remember that God has repented. I think at the end of the flood, God made a conscious decision. I'm putting the pagan power in different people as playthings aside. And I want to enter into a relationship, a marriage contract effectively, with the people that I have created, with the earth that I have established. You don't see that in any other pagan experience. God cares about God's people and wed, bound himself to God's people. And I think maybe that is why so many other covenants in the scriptures are the way they are. The next covenant with Abraham. Remember, he cuts the animals in half. And there's the flaming brazier that goes in between. Torch, torch. It's a torch that goes in between them. I know what you think I said. But it doesn't consume the bodies. That's, I think, why we always walk up and back in the middle of the pews. Because every time we begin and end a service, we're renewing the covenant with God. Maybe that's why God with Moses was the burning bush that was not consumed. God said, I still remember my covenant. I will not destroy. I will have fire on this bush, but not destroy it. Then we have Jesus, who is baptized by John in the Jordan. You know, every time I do a baptism, I'm always afraid. I, I hope this isn't the one, you know. Could you imagine <laughs> what would happen if I'm doing a baptism and the dove lands on the kid? I'm like, well, shoot, you know, that's it. I, you know. <laughs> I hope the, the, the clouds don't open up. But in baptism, Jesus found his identity as well. Now, it seems like it took some time for him to ruminate and to make sense over what that identity may be, he went into the wilderness and he was with the same wild beasts that God bonded to after the flood. But he did come back. And, you know, doesn't it sound like his message is just like John's? Repent and believe the good news. There is a very big difference. John proclaimed There's one to come. John proclaimed Jesus was coming. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is coming. 
He found his message after baptism, after the wilderness temptations. So I think that's the message for us as well. You know, like during Lent, we have the practice of no baptisms. We don't even have flowers. We keep everything very plain. This can be very much our sense of discernment, our wilderness journey. As we journey toward Easter and we are preparing to celebrate our baptisms made real by Jesus' resurrection, it's an opportunity for us to say, who are we? Who are we called to be? At Easter, we renew our baptismal promises, realizing that we are not subject to those scary, incomprehensible forces of the market or anything like that. But instead, we, like God, have turned aside from a terrifying and indifferent universe to one that freely embraces us that weds us and makes itself accountable to us. And you, made in God's image, stamped with God's fingerprints, the likeness of God's love, give yourself, who are God's, to God. Let God alone spend you, Only God knows what you have been saved for, but whatever it is, you will be well spent. Release yourself into the hands of the gracious one and trust, for you are worth much. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.